Work on getting set up here a little bit. And now we are set and ready to go with a very interesting lesson today that we have from 1 Kings, the reading that you've, you finished up this week, possibly as you're reading through the Old Testament with us this year. I encourage you to maintain that reading and keep on and, and don't give up. And uh, reading through this Old Testament, reading anywhere in the scripture, sometimes it is truly a challenge. But don't give up. Pray about it. Read it and pray some more and then do it. Obey God's word. We need to pray continually and we need to never forget to pray. Um, and today we learn if we don't pray, if we don't remember to pray, the results really could be disastrous. Today's lesson is going to be in 1 Kings chapter 13. We're going to le read almost the uh, entire first half of that chapter. Um, and at this point in time, uh, we have seen uh, King David with his uh, ability to go out and conquer all the kingdoms around him. And then we have Solomon installed, and he is, he is a king during a time of peace. And he's a very wise king. He prayed, uh, he prayed to, instead of praying for riches, he prayed for wisdom. Um, and so God blessed him with wisdom. Of course, he wasn't wise in every way, but he did build the temple. But although he built the temple, Solomon caused the nation of Israel to serve other gods. And when his son Rehoboam became king, God tore, just as he had prophesied, actually, even before it happens, even before Solomon died, he, that was prophesied that the kingdom would be split apart. So when, when Rehoboam uh, became king, it was uh, three days later that God basically the tore, kingdom, tore the kingdom apart and gave, uh, gave ten tribes to a warrior named Jeroboam. And I noted in our notes here, um, because I hear Jeroboam and Rehoboam, and it's like, it had to have been related. Nope, no relation. Um, but Jeroboam was a warrior, and God had selected him to become the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Israel was going to have... Uh, ten kings, and then you're going to have the southern kingdom of Israel. So there is, um, and this happens in 931 BC, that the kingdom of God no longer is a united kingdom, but it's a divided kingdom after this um, a little civil war that takes place. So Jeroboam goes to the north, and he realizes something. All right, the southern kingdom, Judah, they've got the temple, they've got Jerusalem. What do I have? So he develops worship practices. He he actually takes um he he has he outdoes uh, what Aaron did. He makes two golden calves and puts one in Bethel. And Bethel is a city about ten miles north. It's only ten miles or excuse me, I think it was twelve miles north of Jerusalem. He puts one of the the golden calves there for the people to worship, and then he takes another the other um, idol and places it in Dan. Um, farther away. So Jeroboam develops his own worship practices, and the scripture s says that he, he developed this uh, religion, basically, which he devised in his own heart. First Kings chapter 12, verse 33. So Jeroboam has established the northern kingdom. From now on, it's going to be referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom is going to be Judah. Hopefully that helps you as you continue to read the Northern Kingdom. 
Jeroboam is going to be a name that you're going to hear constantly as one who led the people away from God and um, followed after the idols of the people around him. And that brings us to our passage today, 1 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to go ahead and read this. I'll stop periodically to give some commentary. Um, This is uh, 1 Kings chapter 13, and I'm going to read right now verses 1 through 19. We're going to read about a man of God, unnamed prophet who comes and is going to speak to the king Jeroboam in the north about his, uh, his poor religion that he has set up. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel. And by the way, I did want to say this about Bethel. Bethel is also the place where uh, Jacob or who, who had his name changed to Israel. Um, this is where, where Jacob, he laid his head on the rock. He, he slept on the ground there and had a dream of angels going up and down out of heaven. That's the place where Jeroboam picked to establish his, his, uh, the, the religion that he devised out of his own heart. So the man of God comes to Bethel um, by the word of the Lord. While Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense, he cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and human bones shall be burned on you. Now, pay attention to this prophecy. I I don't remember if it's um, in this week's reading or next week's reading, but you're going to see the name Josiah come up, and he fulfills this prophecy. So remember this spot, and you can come back to it and look at it again later. But the temple, or excuse me, that altar has been established. The, The golden calf is there in Bethel. This man of God comes and says, it's, it's all going to be torn down. It's gonna, it, this is a bad thing. Verse 3. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now when the king heard the saying of the man of God, when he cried against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. You imagine seeing that. You young people just imagine. This isn't a, this isn't a story that's made up. This is a story of, of something that actually took place in the history of Israel. He pointed, get that guy, and his hand just shriveled up, and it was paralyzed. He was crippled in that hand in an instant. Verse 5, the altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. The king said to the man of God, please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. 
Then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. Now pause here for a second. Isn't it funny how people can turn on us so quickly? Uh, man, they, they went, he, he went from get that guy to, oh, come on. I'm, I'm going to give you all kinds of presents. I got some nice gifts to give to you. Verse eight. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Pause here with me again. Notice that this man of God, we got some information about what God had told this man of God in advance, and he gave him some specific instructions, very specific. It was told him, verse number nine, we, we find out this information. It was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall eat no bread, nor drink water, nor return by this, the way which you came. So here he is, it's a 12 mile, mile journey from Jerusalem. So you know, let's just imagine he's got a 12-mile journey. Uh, he's he's spending a couple, of, a few hours walking up. He's going to be uh, he's going to be there for a little while during all the the uh, interesting things that happen there. He's got to turn around and go home, and he's going to go home by a a different way. Maybe it's not as direct a route, but he's got a little trek. And along the way, he is not supposed to be eating, drinking anything. So this is, you know, and maybe it's a hot day. And their hot days compared to our hot days um, make our hot days seem like a walk in the park. So this is a little bit of a difficult task that he's got. And we can see it might be even wearing on him a little bit because we're pretty soon going to find him sitting under an oak tree, catching some shade, getting some rest. So maybe this is kind of wearing on him, this little task, something simple that God demands. It seems simple, simple command, don't eat, don't drink anything. Go by a different path when you come back. He seems to be following that. Now let's see what happens. Verse 11. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel. So here, right in the city of Bethel, right where this story is taking place, there is an old prophet doesn't say he was a bad prophet, doesn't say anything. It's just an older guy who was a prophet. And his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken to the king, these he also related to the father. And their father said to them, which way did he go? Now his sons had seen the way which the man of God who came from Judah had gone then he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. Verse 16. He said, so this is the younger prophet, the man of God from Judah. He said, 
I cannot return with you, nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, you shall eat no bread nor drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. He said to him, so here's the older prophet's reply. He said to him, I am also a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. All right, so we got all kinds of things that we could talk about in this this passage up till now. Um, Clear instructions to a man of God as to what he's supposed to do, and he seems intent to follow that until an older prophet, who probably seems really respectable and kind and good and knowledgeable. For I, I don't know what all his impression, the younger guy's impression of the older man was. Maybe it was somebody who he'd heard about. He had heard something great about him because it seems like he was an old prophet. He had respect. But the man of God with those specific instructions from God failed to check in with God. He failed to inquire of the Lord. He's getting some contradictory information about what he was specifically told, and he doesn't stop for a second and think, hmm, wonder if God really wants me to do this. He did not obey the word of God, but allowed himself to be misled by an old lying prophet question comes, what's going to be the consequence of this? It really, honestly, if you put yourself in this, uh, this person's, especially if you think maybe this, this, this um, godly man, a man of God from Ju- Ju- Judah, you know, maybe he was an, uh, a younger guy. He's been taught to respect his elders. How easy would it be for him to hear somebody that he knew about, perhaps, comes and says, no, an angel appeared to me. I've received the word of God and you need to come with how easy it would be to believe that. But he fails to pray. He fails to ask God to inquire of the Lord saying, am I really supposed to go? Is something changed here, God? He fails to even say, you know, it seems like with instructions you've received from God, his, his answer should have been, no, I've received specific instruction from the Lord to go back by a different way, I can't deviate from that. That is what I shall do. You know, he, at the very least, he should have inquired of the Lord. Just if he was confused for a minute, if he was really troubled or figured, trying to figure out, but it seems like maybe he was just thirsty and hungry and said, all right, well, if God says it, I'm going to go do it because I really do need to eat. I really do need to drink. So what's the price going to be? What's the price to pay? What are the consequences of not turning to God and asking him to to get clarity on the issue? And that's where we go to 1 Kings chapter 13 and five verses here, 20 through 25. Now it came about as they were sitting at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. 
And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, now, isn't this interesting? Just stop here for a second. The old prophet who had lied now actually is receiving the word of God. The word of God is speaking to him and is, is speaking through this man. Verse 21, and he cried to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord, and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the grave of your fathers. It came about after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. So this is the older prophet getting getting the, the younger prophet's belongings ready and giving him a donkey. Verse 24. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey standing beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. Clearly an act of God. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it to the city where the old prophet lived. Man, that's a sad tale. The man of God trusted the old prophet, but he and he failed to inquire of the Lord. He sinned in his ignorance. He shouldn't have been ignorant. All he had to do was pray to God, ask God, do you really want me to go back? So he ended up sinning in ignorance because he didn't know. He didn't inquire. He should have done it. He should have prayed. And he paid with his life. He paid the ultimate price. The lesson we need to learn. I put it like this, pray, read God's word. You know, that prophet, I put read God's word. We can, we're not like this prophet who, you know, he could have gone to God and God would have spoken and said to him, no, he would have spoken directly to him. That's, that's not for us, but we've got God's word. We don't even need God speak directly to us as a voice. We've got his word. So pray, read God's word, pray some more and obey what you've learned. Do it. Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. Hear these words and do them. Do it with great prayer. Pray without ceasing. When we fail to pray, you know, disaster can happen. So we need to pray, read God's word, pray some more, and obey. And while we're obeying, we need to pray, read some more, and pray some more. And obey. Keep doing what we learn. Are you facing a dilemma? Pray, read God's word, and pray some more and obey. Are you facing persecution or trials or disappointment or fears or just frustration? Or are you just losing hope in the midst of a crazy and chaotic week that it's been? Pray and read God's word and pray some more 
and just obey and put your trust in him. Another way of thinking about this, I realize, as we think about this young prophet um, or this man of God from Judah. I don't know how young he was, but he was younger than the old prophet, right? Uh, you know, it's he had somebody else come and tell him something, and he just simply believed it. He thought he knew, or he wanted to know, or he wanted to pretend that he knew. I don't know what his mindset was, but question comes to us then is do you think you know enough do you think you know everything do you think you have all of the answers do you think you have already worked out your own salvation with fear and trembling part of that working of working it out with fear and trembling is a continual search and looking and longing and study and prayer do you have an old prophet that you trust you know i think about all this the whole Christianity in the United States and Christianity in the world, it's, there's old prophets everywhere. There are prophets, supposed teachers of God's word everywhere who are telling people, I've got the truth. You need to listen to me. Those guys are wrong. Everybody else is wrong. Just listen to me. I've got the truth. In a sense, they're like the old prophet saying, there, an angel spoke to me and said, come with me. Don't just believe it. If, if it's confusing, you need to get into God's word as you pray and then pray some more and do what you've learned. Put it into practice. You can do that. Pray, read God's word, pray some more, and obey as you go along the way, praying, reading, learning. So, folks, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, this week is it, it, on top of all the, uh, you know, just weeks and weeks of COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. Anybody feel like your brain's going to blow up if I say it one more time? It's, it's just over and over and over. It's just a strange time, you know. But then on top of that, we had, man, I... I it, if you've seen the video of, of what happened in Minneapolis, it is so disturbing. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a call for us to pray and read God's word and to pray some more as we go out and obey and act as God's ambassadors in this world to be ambassadors for Jesus Showing people the way, because without knowing the way, you know, it, it is, it, it is, everything in life is just frustration, and you get nowhere, and you're built up with anger and frustration, and you just are built with rage, and you want to go out and smash something. It's the logical thing to do. And uh, there's so many aspects of this on every single side that people need to stop and pray, read God's word, pray and obey, act upon it, and to act courageously and boldly with what God tells us to do, to act courageously like Jesus did, to, to not live for yourself, put others first, to consider their eternal destiny, 
And let's, you know, let's make that the main thing always is, is truth and salvation souls. So uh, people, if you're, if you're out there today, you're a Christian, I encourage you to just pray, read, pray some more, obey, do what you learn, do what it says. And if you're not a Christian, um, it's the same thing, but there's this added piece is that I, I need to indicate that for clarity on a doctrine that seems all too abundantly simple and clear that some old prophets in the world, they take it and they get it wrong, is that a humble heart, if you want to be saved, it is a humble heart that submits to Jesus as master. That person, that soul can be saved at baptism. It's not just saying a prayer somewhere and, all right, God, now I guess we're all right because I said a prayer. That is not in Scripture. Yeah, you got to have faith. Yes, you have to believe. But you have to turn to God, submit to him, and you prove that you're ready to do that. And you, you make the connection with Jesus in baptism. When you go under water, a watery, go into a watery grave, and you're raised up to a new life. So I want to make that abundantly clear as you think about false prophets in the world, lying prophets, misled prophets, prophets who think they maybe know something and they're just trying to wiggle something around in their head that there's no need to. Pray, read God's word, pray some more, and then obey it. If you're being called to give your life to Jesus today, if you're being called to get immersed into him and give your life to him so that you can be saved, today is the day to do it. Look at, and you need to pray about it and think about it and talk about it with somebody. But above all, it is looking and believing what's in God's word, making sure that you know what is here. And when you know it and you're ready to act upon it and you know you need to act upon it, do it. Don't put it off. Don't end up lying dead on the side of a road, you know, literally or figuratively, because we don't know when our last day will come. So today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you can give your life to Jesus and know that you're saved and have this peace within you, even though the world's in chaos. Give your life to Jesus. Trust him always. There's no greater joy than to have Christ in your life. If you need to respond, you can call me anytime. But trust him. Read it. Pray about it. Obey it. And never stop reading. Don't get misled. Don't get, be led astray and always keep praying. Jesus loves you so very much. He wants you to be saved. He doesn't want you dead along the road with a lion looking over you. He does not want that for you. He wants you to have life. Jesus came that you may have life and have it to the full. Trust in Jesus. If you need to respond, uh, give me a call. At the end of when we hang up today, at the end of this service, give me a call and we will meet 
we will study and we'll, we'll do whatever you need to do. So if you need to respond to that, please do. We're going to sing this song of encouragement.